Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for tonight, for allowing us, first of all, to praise your name. God, what a good and mighty God you are and how you are so worthy of our praise. And Lord, sometimes, God, the weight of the world, the things in the world kind of weigh on us. And Lord, they distract us. They distract us from our purpose. They distract us from our plan. And God, I just pray that they would not distract us right now. God, because you have a purpose and you have a plan. And God, I pray that we would seek you and you alone right now. Um, I feel like this place is uh, probably overwhelmed with people that are, that are overwhelmed. And God, I just pray that right now we'd find a moment just to rest in your arms, to listen to your truth. God, that you would teach us, that we'd learn something about you. God, maybe our eyes would be open to some truth about ourselves. God, this powerful book that you've given us, Lord, I pray that we... Uh, we always treasure it. God, thank you so much for giving it to us. Thank you so much for your word. Pray that you're glorified now as we look at what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was thinking today. So how many people have started school already? Amy, you started school. Congratulations. Proud of you. You're 10th grade now, sophomore. Yeah, all right. Good job. Um, <laughs> So did we have anybody actually raise their hand? Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So the Oxford kids have started school. Faith kids start tomorrow, right? So school's starting back. Um, I, I know some other schools have already started. Welburn's already started. That's why Amy's already gone back to school. So, um, Oh, I have more good news for you, by the way. I, I turned the air up to 70. It's not 68 in here right now. So you praise the Lord, right? Yeah. Connie is on her knees weeping right now because she's so excited about the fact that it is 70 and not 68. Uh, that's on me, by the way. Um, I, I, I program the thermostats, and, and they come on at a certain time and all this kind of stuff, and I just program them to what they are on Sunday mornings. We have to have them on 68 on Sunday mornings, but on, on Wednesday nights, we don't necessarily have to have them on 68. They'll be on 70 from now on, so praise the Lord for that. So some of you are... Breathing a deep sigh of relief, all right, so putting your minds at ease a little bit. I wanted to start off on a high note, right? So, but anyway, so what I was thinking this week is that, that do you realize that there's something about the human existence that, um, I don't know how to say this uh, really, um, that there's something about us in our nature, in our flesh, that naturally separates, um, that, that, that we naturally uh, are, are kind of pushed apart. So, so you don't believe necessarily what I'm saying. Uh, you think about, any of you have siblings? Any of you have siblings? Yes. Are there times when you want to strangle that sibling? Like, like, like desperately, you just, you, you want them to go away, right? Like, I mean, now later on you may not feel that way, but, but there are moments when you're like, mmm, mmm, yeah. So, so even though you are a blood kin and, and, and you love each other, or you're supposed to anyway, um, so even though you're blood kin, yeah, like, like after a while, you, you, you want to strangle them, right? So, so that's, just, that's just how it is. Um, uh, and not, not to say that any marital relationships would ever be this way. Wow, who was that that just did that? That was somebody who was in trouble. I, who, who just, was that... It was, some, it was back there. Somebody gave a big ha-ha like that. So I don't know who that was. But uh, anyway, so th there may be times in, in some marriages, certainly not in mine, but there may be times where you feel like you might want to strangle the spouse, right? That, that, that could happen, right? Like, 
Um, maybe, maybe, maybe you have, like me, um, I, I personally have a thing about eating and dinner time that we must have some other noise going on in the place. I cannot stand for there to be total silence and us be eating. Uh, if we're in the car, please, Lord Jesus, let the radio be working, you know, and I've got that sucker cranked up. We need extra bass, extra treble because we're eating in the car, um, you know, because they're like these little things that, you know, it just kind of gets on your nerves after a while and you're like, oh, you know, like I can't take it anymore. I'm going to jump out of the moving car, you know. It's, it's just like it, it's, it's something about us, it. like the little things, for whatever reason, the human nature, and, and it, it just kind of it grows, right? We, we, we see the little things that drive us crazy, and, and it kind of grows. And, and, and believe it or not, this can even happen within the church, um, that, that, that they, oh, so-and-so got treated this way. I didn't get treated that way. So-and-so got a hug. Kenny gave them a hug, but he didn't give me a hug. I don't know if I can deal with this situation. I don't know if I can go on with life because I didn't get a hug today. You know, what's going on? Kenny, is there, do we have a problem? Do we, do we have a problem? You know, because I've noticed like two weeks in a row, you didn't hug me. And I just, I need to know, is there, is there something going on? Do you have some animosity toward me? You know, I'm like, yeah, that, <laughs> I, that's not true. I just, yeah, I just happen to be somewhere else. I, I don't know. Man, I, you know, I love everybody. Okay, I love you all equally the same, right? So no, no favoritism here, right? So um, anyway, unless you're eating beside me and it's perfectly quiet and then I don't like you. But anyway, so, but, but like it, it just, it naturally happens. We focus on the negatives and eventually it kind of drives us crazy. And, 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 and you know what this is called? Like when you take this, um, to, to a greater extent, to a larger extent, um, it, it turns into, I, I hate to use the term racism, but it does turn into a kind of an isolation thing that happens where we look at maybe a group of people or a set of people. And do and you realize that that's kind of, if you let your flesh and your nature take over, you will naturally isolate certain people. And you will, you, uh, many times what happens is you get in, we love to use this term in the church, uh, you get in a little click so that you can say, this is my group. I fit in with this people and those people over there, they're different. I don't necessarily, they get on my nerves. You remember this one time when they were chewing and the radio wasn't on, and, we, and like it gets on my nerves, and I don't want to have anything to do with that person. And and I I remember as as uh, a young teenager, I remember especially in school, like like I really suffered with with depression on a lot of levels because I really felt like I was that person that was kind of isolated. Like my my quote unquote friends at the time thought that it would, it, for whatever reason, they just naturally said, you know, Kenny's going to be kind of the butt of all the jokes. He's going to be. You know, not necessarily that they would pick on me or bully me or anything like that, but, but it was just like there was just always this nagging thing to kind of say, let's point the finger at him, let's kind of make him feel alone, different, whatever you want to say. And I remember the tremendous impact that that had on me, and I remember kind of what I went through. Let me tell you something that, that one of the things that, that I recognized is once I kind of got past that and a little bit later in life, and, and, and I kind of went on with my life, and I found my own group of friends and that kind of stuff. And that, it's like they, they actually wanted to be my friend then. They wanted to actually not do that kind of stuff, and they actually wanted to get closer to me once they realized that I didn't really need them. Once, once they figured out the point where I was like, I don't care what you say. If you're going to treat me like that, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm not going to play basketball with you guys. I'm going to go do my own thing. You know, once they figured out that you were like that, then they were like all of a sudden— 
They stop doing less of that kind of stuff to isolate you and make you feel alone. But the human nature is such that we tend to do that. We tend to look, we say, look at me, look at what I have, look at, look at who I am, and, and look at how they're different. And because they're different, then that makes them bad somehow, right? That just kind of naturally happens. And, and you gravitate towards people that are very much like you. And that's natural, okay? So when people talk about having cliques in church and all that, what happens is typically you're around and you're friends with people that are around your age, people are in the same socioeconomic class or whatever you want to say, and people that, that have the same number of kids as you. I mean, if you look around right now, you can see pockets of people that are very similar in, in who they sit near, who they hang out with. I mean, it's just a natural progression of things. What the problem about that is, is that when we, when we become so isolationist that, that, that we, we look at those other people and we look down on them, and then it impacts the gospel, okay? Then it impacts how we see them in light of the gospel, and that's when it becomes a problem, that, that, that we, we start to, to look down on them, we start to look at them differently, and we start to look at them in such a way that we think that they're not worthy, or not, they're, not, they're not capable of being where we are in our relationship with Christ. And see, that's how Satan wants to use those things. See, it, it's interesting to me that these things that bond us together these things that, that make us kind of click together, that God has naturally given us that, that bonding thing that happens because you're friends with people that are, are like you, that Satan takes that to the next level and starts to use that against us, and all of a sudden it becomes this negative thing where we're so together that we want them to be a part, and, and it even it flows over into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this happened to the disciples, y'all. I mean, like 2,000 years ago when Jesus is walking around with his boys and he was talking to them about the kingdom of God and how we're supposed to reach out to the poor people and the lepers and, and we're supposed to love everybody. And we're supposed to love our enemies and all that. Like Jesus really had a tough time nailing down with these guys that they were supposed to love the people that were different than them. Because it's so ingrained into our flesh to want to not to not love on the people that are different than us, right? It, it is so ingrained in our flesh to not want to do that. And, and in particular, you know, the, the Jewish population was such that um, their whole, I mean, they were such an isolationist group that, that what happened was God gave them this commandment because he wanted them to, um, to, to kind of stay together. He didn't want their, their, their uh, message of the one true God to be watered down. So he'd tell them, look, just marry within the Jewish population, the people that worship your God. Don't go outside and, and marry somebody else and bring them in. And so they, they, they said, okay, so God wants us to be very closed in. Very, that must mean that everybody else is bad, right? That must mean that everybody else has got something wrong with them. So we got to stay together. And, and it, they, they took something that God intended for for a naturally good purpose, which was to keep the purity of the religion, he took, they took that to an unhealthy le level and said that everybody else uh, must be terribly bad and we're supposed to hate those people. And God never really said you're supposed to hate those people. He just said that you're supposed to stay together. You're supposed to stay a tight-knit group. And when Jesus came along, he says, all right, I want you to understand that you're supposed to love everybody because it was then at that point that, that Jesus starts telling them how, you know what, everybody, if they believe in me, if they, if they follow Christ, if, they, if they're trusting in Christ for their salvation, then they are all 
They are all followers and they are all seeds of Abraham then. They are all heirs to the kingdom of God because they are now part of this family. They're all part of the Jewish population now, if you want to say it that way. And that was a very difficult thing for Jesus to get across to people. But I'm telling you, as you go into school this year, I mean, you have really, you have got, I think it's important for us to understand things about ourselves. You have to know going into this school year that you are naturally going to want to gravitate towards people that are like you and you're going to want to hang out with them. And that's okay. It really is okay. What's not okay is when you start to do that so much that you have animosity towards the people that aren't like you and you start to look down on them or look at them in a negative way and it impacts the gospel and it impacts your ability to reach them with the gospel because they say, why would I want to be like them if they are so negative towards me or the people I'm hanging around with? Why, why do they want to isolate me in that way? You know, why do they not just love everybody? Isn't that what Jesus teaches? You have to know that about yourself. You have to know what you'll naturally gravitate towards. It's very important for you to know that. And we're going to look an example of that as we look at what Jesus teaches. We've still been in this series called Jesus. And uh, we're going to look at, at Jesus. Um, and what this is, it, you're going to read this passage. You're going to be like, man, that's weird. Okay? Um, why don't we do that first? Why don't we just read through the whole thing? You'll be terribly confused, and I'll explain it to you. Let's do it that way. And Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived uh, there came to him, pleading, mercy, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him, Send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. And Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Everybody's like, whoa, what? Okay, hang on. But, but she came and, and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. And Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps from, that fall beneath the master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your quest, request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Anybody else scratching their head? Okay, we got dogs. We got Jesus ignoring the lady. We got the disciples telling her to go away. All right, I'm thoroughly confused. Help me out a little bit, Kenny. All right. So Jesus has been hanging out with this boys, and they've been in Israel, right? So they're hanging out around other Jews. And every once in a while, Jesus, it was pretty rare, but Jesus, to get away from the Jews, would go somewhere else. He would go into a Gentile land. And he had to do this because, I mean, they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff with Jesus at this point in time. I mean, they were like, some of them were so, so Jesus, uh, such Jesus zealots that what they were doing is like, let's take this dude, let's make him a king, we'll go kill all the Romans, and, and then we'll just have our own little Jewish celebration here. That's what we'll do. And they're like ready to put a crown on his head and like set him up in charge. And, and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 you got this all wrong, man. You're, you're messing this up, you know. And, and, and then he's got the Pharisees on the other hand that are looking at the stuff that he's teaching. And he's like, this, this guy's teaching a bunch of stuff that's very different than what we've always taught. He's, he's upsetting everybody. He's, he's upsetting our Jewish ways. What is he doing? So, so they wanted to take him out. And he's got uh, some crazy uh, Jesus followers that want to make him king. Some people are wanting to take him out. 
Then you got the, the, the Romans that are in, in charge, and they're just wanting to keep everything calm. So, you know, it's like there's a lot of turmoil going on. Then you have these followers of Jesus that he would feed like thousands of people. And they would just say, hey, that's a pretty good parlor trick. Let's see you do something else. And they would just hang around him because they wanted to see other tricks. Like, like, I get hungry sometimes. Jesus can feed me from nothing. Let me hang around this guy. That's pretty cool. I like to see that kind of stuff. So he would have tons and tons of people do that. Now, I know that we got all of those people in society to today doing the same kinds of stuff. But here, we see Jesus basically saying, all right, I got to get away from the riffraff for just a little bit. And he goes in, into this area of Tyre and Sidon, and he's like just walking around. And I think his primary mission there was not to minister to people necessarily, but it was probably just to get away from Israel for just a little bit, right? So he's there. And, and he runs into this Canaanite woman. Now, who were the Canaanites? Um, so basically, you remember... Um, when, the, when, when God said, I've got a land for you Israelites, it's a promised land, and you can go there, and, and, and they're like, okay. They said, but God's like, well, but, you know, there's a little catch. There's some giants in that land, um, in the land of Canaan, and, and, and they're, they're really big, and, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy, but, but, you know, this is the land I promised you. And, and you remember the whole thing with sending some spies in, and like, man, these people are like 40 feet tall, and there's no way we're going to be able to... That's an exaggeration, right? So they're like 12 feet tall. But like, there's no way we're going to be able to destroy them and take this land that God has promised us, right? So, so, so God tells them, you know, go in and take out all the Canaanites. Just wipe them off the planet, you know, and, and all that, and go and take the land. And, and they believe God, and ultimately they're able to do that after a long... That's a long story. That's a big summarization of a lot of that book right there. But anyway, so... Canaanites are Gentiles, so they're people that are not Israelites. They're people that, that they would have seriously looked down upon, you know? Like they would have looked down, I mean, because they worship false gods. They do all kinds of ritualistic practices and all this kind of stuff, which is likely the reason why this lady's daughter is possessed by demons. But here we got this Canaanite woman coming to Jesus. First of all, she's a woman, okay? And... and, and like, the disciples are like, she's a woman. You know what I mean? Kind of looked down upon just, number one, because she's a woman. Now, we know that the, that the gospel says that, that there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, that we're all together, one, as in Christ. So it's a different picture when it comes to Jesus. But this is the mentality of the day that women were looked down upon. And here, you got a woman that's looked down upon, and she's a Canaanite. So it's doubly bad because she's a Gentile. She knows... She doesn't worship the God that the Israelites worship, but she's coming to this dude named Jesus. Now, I don't know how she got word of him. I don't know if, if like, she saw him a long way off. She recognized him. She heard some stories. I don't know what the case was, but she finds Jesus. Most likely, I would say she's been looking for him. Um, let me ask you this question. Did, did Jesus know he was going to run into this lady? This is an important question, I guess. Did Jesus know that, hey, if I go into Tyre and Sidon, I'm going to run into this lady? Did he have any kind of clue? Well, yeah, he did. You know why? Because he's God. He's God. He's fully God, fully man. So, so he's got an idea who he's going to run into along the way, right? But look what Jesus does. This is pretty interesting what Jesus does. She comes up, running up to him and says, Oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Okay, she knows who David is, first of all. She knows Jesus is a descendant of David. Okay, that's pretty cool. Like, 
what's going on here? Well, she's got, she's got some word of, of the history of the Jewish faith. Somehow, some way, she's, she's figured this stuff out. And then she's seen the Messiah. She's seen this guy and what he's been capable of. And she comes to him asking him for a miracle. Now, why is that? I think it's because she's fed up with her false gods and the fact that they aren't delivering. You know, she's probably prayed or done ritualistic sacrifices or whatever she's had to do with her false gods and figures out that ain't working. And she runs to Jesus, figuring out that he is who he says he is. And she gets like, have mercy on me. She calls him Lord. Lord, have mercy on me. But what does Jesus do? What's the first thing he does? This is, this is weird, okay? I'll admit, this is weird. He ignores her. He ignores her. You're like, Jesus knew this lady was going to come up. He knew she was going to call him Lord. He knew she had been fed up with her religion, and she ignores, he ignores her? Well, that's weird of Jesus to do. That's a really strange thing. I mean, if you come running up to Jesus and cry out, Lord, have mercy on me, you would think he'd go, oh, okay, come here. Yeah, I'll minister to your need, whatever that might be. But I want you to know something. This is a cool thing about Jesus. Jesus knew she was going to be there that day. He knew that. But instead of just ministering to her, he's going to minister to his disciples too, and he's going to teach them something. He's going to teach them something. Because his disciples are with him, right? So he ignores them. He ignores her. And, and, and then what happens? The disciples... Disciples start speaking up. Now, we don't take long for us as human beings for our stupidity to come out, does it? I mean, I mean, if Jesus, just be quiet for a second. We'll scream our stupidity. You know what I mean? Like, like we will admit to the whole world just how dumb we are, okay? And his disciples had no problem doing that whatsoever because they were just like us. Like, if Jesus, just be quiet for a minute, then they can scream about how dumb they are. And that's exactly what happens. He's like... Send her away. She's annoying us. She chews her food without the radio on. Like, send her away, you know? Like, like just get her out. She's, 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 she's bugging us with all her begging. She's begging for her daughter. Her daughter is demon-possessed. The disciples, they know what Jesus is capable of. They know how loving he is. They know the things that he has done. And this lady is begging for her daughter. And what do they say? Send her away. The heck with her. Get her out of our face. We don't want anything to do with her. Jesus, you know what he's doing? He's doing this right here. He's, he's giving them some rope. He's giving them some rope to hang themselves with. You know what I mean? Like, you ever feel like Jesus is doing that with you? Like, like he's just giving you a little bit of rope so that you can say something stupid and, and make a fool out of yourself? Yeah, yeah, I, I get that feeling a lot, too. Usually when I'm up here preaching to you guys, but it's like Jesus is like, yeah, you about to say something dumb now, give him some rope. But anyway, so that's what's going on here. Is he just, he's quiet. He allows his disciples to speak up. He allows his disciples to show their heart. That's what he's doing. This is, in my opinion, the way I look at this, the way I read this scripture, this is allowing them to basically confess their sin without them really knowing that's exactly what they're doing. They're speaking up, talking about how stupid they are, 
by saying they're looking down on this woman that's a Canaanite, and she's a woman, and they got no regard for these Gentiles. Now, have we seen Jesus before have compassion on Gentiles, to love Gentiles? Do you remember in John chapter 4? Who was the first person that, 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 that Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah to? You remember she was a Samaritan woman. She was worse than a Gentile. She was a half-breed. She was somebody that a Jew and a Gentile had gotten together, had a kid, and she was a Samaritan. She was a half-breed. So she was like worse than, than, than just a Gentile was over there and just ignorant. She, she, somebody had come together, somebody that knew the truth, and went and married somebody that, that was a Gentile, and they had a child together, and that, Samaritans were really looked down upon. And what did Jesus say? He says, I'll give you water. I'll, I'll quench your thirst like nothing else can. He tells her, I am he. I am the one. I am the one that was sent. And he reveals himself to her. Obviously, Jesus has compassion on Gentiles. Obviously, Jesus loves Gentiles. Do you remember the centurion? You remember the Roman soldier who came up to Jesus and, and just begged him for help and, and all this stuff? And he's like, I need you to help me that my son's in trouble and I, I got issues and, and I need you to help me. And then, and then Jesus is like, okay, I'll come with you. And, and he goes, you don't have to go anywhere. I know if you just say the word that my son will be healed. You remember that? And when he spoke it, the guy's son was healed. Jesus has compassion on people that are Gentiles. These are Roman soldiers. These are people that, that oppress the Israelites. They're the ones that keep the Jews like under the oppression of the Roman government. And, and Jesus is healing the guy's son. Like what is up with that? Obviously, Jesus has compassion on Gentiles. He's not prejudiced. He's not racist. But here, he just remains quiet. And he starts letting the the disciples tout as loud as they can how dumb they really are and the fact that they have prejudice in their hearts. So Jesus, he even takes it a step, step further. He says, I was, only here, I was only sent to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. So it is true, it is true that 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 Jesus was sent first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Um, but, but I think Jesus is saying here, what he's saying is that, that, the, that the focus is truly on Israel, and that is true. But I think that he's showing them that, that, that this is what they believe, that, that Jesus has really only come for those of Israel. He hasn't really come for anybody else. And he's pushing this lady away. I think that this, this is what's happening, that Jesus is, is trying to push this lady away. Can you imagine, can you imagine if somebody said, they stood up in their chair and said, I want to follow Jesus, and they raise their hands, and I say, sit back down. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know that there are some religions in the world where that's what they say? That people come running and say, I want to be a part of this religion. I want to be a part of it. And they say, you're not ready yet. Go sit back down. Go, go back home. Now, Obviously, we welcome everybody, and you're welcome to come and, and ask Jesus to, to uh, be your Lord and, and to rescue you from, from death, hell, and the grave, and, and you're welcome to do that at any time. Can you imagine, though, if we put, so you're not ready yet. You don't even know what you're talking about. You hadn't counted the cost of being a disciple? Go sit back down. Can you imagine if we did that? 
There are some religions that do that. They have to come to them multiple times and say, please, please let me be part of what you believe. And finally, after persistence, then they allow them to say, okay, yeah, you can come be a part now that we have seen your diligence in pursuing what it is that you so desire. Jesus is literally pushing this lady away. So I've only come to help the people of Israel. Does she go, all right, yeah, you're right. And just head on out, go back to the house, go back to her false gods. No, that's not what she does. That's not what she does. You know what she did? Look at verse 25. But she came and worshipped him. Can you imagine that kind of faith? Jesus pushes you away. And what do you do in response to that? You don't feel rejected. You don't feel turned away. Instead, you fall down on your face and worship him. That's faith. That's, I wish I had that kind of faith. Because at the first sign that, that, that God's not around, first sign that God's not hearing my prayer, I'm like, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care anything about simple church. We had two people that left and didn't come back. Ain't no way he loves simple church or loves me. Jesus is literally pushing this woman away. And what does she do in response to that? She falls down and worships him. Can you imagine how dumb the disciples felt at that moment? Can you imagine? They had just said, shoo her away. She's no good. She's worthless. She's not like us, Jesus. She's bothering us with all of her begging and all this garbage that she keeps bringing. And Jesus says, I'm only here to help the people of Israel. And what does she do? She, do? she falls down and worships them. The disciples are going, wow. I don't know that I got that kind of faith. I don't know if Jesus would have turned me away if I would have said he's worthy of my praise anyway. He's just... He's giving them some rope, y'all. He's teaching them. He's giving them some rope so they can hang themselves, so they can die to themselves, so they can be more like him. He wants to expose what's in their hearts, not for the purpose of making them feel bad, for the purpose of making them new. Let's see what else happens. She worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. So Jesus pushes again. He pushes again. He says, it isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, the picture here is uh, Thanksgiving. You got the kids' table and you got the adult table. Kids are at the kids' table. And where do the dogs hang out? Dogs hang out at the kids' table, don't they? You got a puppy in the house, the puppy's not going to hang out at the adult table unless the adults are feeding them food. The, adult, the puppy's going to hang out at the kid's table, right? Because that's where the food, that's where the crumbs fall. So he says, it's, it's not right for me to just take the plate from the children and put it down there for the dogs to eat it. It's not right for me to take from Israel so that I can appeal to the Gentiles, so that I can rescue the Gentiles, minister to the Gentiles. He's pushing away again. He's pushing away again to this lady. She fell down and worshipped him after he said he's only there for the, the Israelites. He's pushing her away again. Can you imagine our response 
Well, maybe if the first time we hung around long enough, and maybe if we fell down and worshiped, if he pushes away again, there's no way I'm sticking around after that. He obviously doesn't love me. He obviously doesn't want me. See what she does. She replied, no, this, this, this lady's pretty cool. She's a pretty cool chick, man. She's pretty sharp, too. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even... Dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. You know what she says? You know what she says? Jesus, you've got enough for everybody. You can minister to the Israelites, to the Jews, and you can minister to these disciples. But there's so much power in you. There's, there's so much strength in you. There's so much love in you. That you have enough to, to feed everybody. Can you imagine that kind of faith? Having that kind of faith? After Jesus has ignored you the first time. And rejected you twice. And you say you know what? I know who you are Jesus. I know who you are. And I know what kind of love you have. And I know that you love me. Even if you're pretending like you don't right now. I know. And the disciples who had had this prejudice in their heart against the Gentiles, people of Tyre and Sidon, they're just standing there with their mouths open because they don't know what to say. They don't know what to say. Because Jesus, the Son of the living God, looks at this woman and says, Dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you, having created the earth in six days, everything that we know to be in existence? It was Him, He was there. He died for you, laid His life down sacrificially for every one of us and all the wrongs that we've ever committed. And he looks at you and he goes, your faith is great. Your faith is great. This woman that was different. This woman that didn't look like the Jews. This woman that the disciples certainly didn't like. And just wanted her to go away. Jesus looks at her and says, your faith is great. Isn't it so beautiful? That Jesus being who he is. He loves his disciples enough to correct them. He loves them so much that he just allows them to speak from their hearts. And let the overflow of their hearts speak. And then display just how great this woman's faith is. Yeah, he could have healed this woman's daughter. But he knew how great her faith was. He knew how great her faith was. And he wanted to put that on display for his disciples. So you know that, that person that feels like an outcast. That person that we, we tend to push to the side sometimes. And we tend to look at them in a different way. Because they're not like us. Be careful. Be careful. Because that's going to be a preacher one day in a place like Simple Church.
Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your truth and your word. God, you're the one that gives us truth and you're the one that changes our lives. You and you alone have that power and that authority. God, I just pray right now that you have spoken to hearts that we would not look at the outcasts in our lives the same way. But Lord, we would look at them the way that you look at them. The kind of mercy that you have in your eyes. God, that we would love them. And maybe we would even look at them God, as our examples. Lord, you call us to do things that are hard. You call us to do things that are against our nature and against our flesh. I just pray that we're obedient to that. And we listen to you and to you alone. And then there are people here right now. And they are that outcast. They are the one that feels like they're on the outside looking in. I pray that they recognize tonight that you can use them in a great and mighty way. You're good to us, Lord. You're merciful to us. Even when you chastise us, even when you show us we're wrong, you are so good and you are so loving. Be glorified now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.